So I'm really excited about this word that I'm um, that I have battled with <laughs> for the past few weeks. I have battled with this word more than any message I've ever spoken. But um, I just believe that God wants to do something in here today. And He showed me in the 9 a.m. and He He kind of showed me a picture again in the 11 a.m. But I believe that God wants to tear down walls today. He wants to chisel those walls that we've built up in our hearts, and He wants to create a new heart in us today. And so you may have walked in here this morning um, feeling like you've been in a battle. Maybe this week has been really rough. Maybe this weekend for some of you is just a tough weekend, that it's a weekend that reminds you of failure or loss. Or maybe you walked in here this morning, you're feeling unforgivable, unlovable, unseen. But what I want you to hear today is that God is here, and God chose us. Despite of our past, despite of our mistakes and our failures, He chose us. He chose us. And what greater love did the Father have for us by sending His Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our screw-ups, to pay the price for our mistakes? What greater love was that? that he chose us. He chose us despite of our mistakes. Right before Easter, I was reading the Easter story and um, the different gospels and looking at the different versions and just studying that. And when I was reading the book of John and I came to John chapter 21, um, it's the story of a moment between Peter and Jesus. And I love this moment because Peter was one of Jesus' most favored disciples. He walked with him. He was a close friend to him. But the story of Peter is actually one of the saddest moments leading up to the death and, and resurrection of Jesus. But it's also one of the most powerful moments in the Bible because it's a story about God's restoring power at work. It's not just one of the saddest moments. It's actually one of the most powerful moments, most significant moments in the Bible of God's restoring work in us, in Peter. Peter had failed he had denied his Savior not once, but three times. And even after publicly saying, hey, I wouldn't do that. I'll go with you to prison and death. He did it anyways. He made that mistake. But the story of Peter is a story of second chances. The Bible says in Philippians that he who began a good work in us will continue that work. Peter was bound by failure. He was bound by shame. But Jesus saw Peter not as the failure, not as the shame. He saw Peter as one that was in need of forgiveness, one that was in need of restoration because our God is a God of second chances. He seeks us out to restore us and he prepares us for the future that he has called us to. 
So today we're going to look at this story between Peter and Jesus. And if you have your Bibles this morning or you have your app on your iPhone or Android, whatever it may be, you can turn to John chapter 21. And we're actually going to read this passage together. And then we're going to talk about this. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. <clears throat> Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat, and they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the other disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, jumped in the water and headed to the shore. Others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, dragged the net to shore. There were about 153 fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had to appear to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. And after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And then he repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. In spite of the sin, in spite of blowing it over and over again, what Jesus was offering to Peter was forgiveness, restoration, and entrusting him to build his church. Because God is the God of second chances. And today I want you to hear that, that God is the God of second chances. And God's plan is good. And his plan is always to heal and restore his children. He knew Peter would fail. He predicted Peter would fail, but yet he didn't give up on him, and he hasn't given up on you today. Today, you may have walked in, or you may be watching online today, and you may be thinking, am I too far gone for God to love me, for God to forgive me? Am I unlovable? Am I unforgivable? 
But I want you to know today that you are fully forgiven and not forgotten. Fully forgiven and not forgotten. Luke chapter 22 in verse 31 through 34, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked you, asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. And I want to pause right there because I want to say this today. In the moment that you think you aren't capable of failing is actually the moments where we're most vulnerable. And that's why we have to daily suit up with the armor of God. We have to daily walk with him. We have to daily listen to his voice and allow him to highlight things that might be a place um, where he needs to restore, where he needs to bring healing. So I want to say daily Walk with him. Daily seek him. And then in verse 34, it says, But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times you even know me. Jesus predicted Peter would fail. He knew Peter would fail. But here in these scriptures, he talks about restoration, how he would sustain Peter's faith, and how he, was, he would use Peter. And in moments later after these scriptures, after this moment between Peter and Jesus, Jesus is arrested. And as he's being taken to the high priest's house, Peter is following at a distance behind and as they get to the courtyard, there's a fire there. And Peter goes over and he's warming himself by the fire. And somebody recognizes him. A servant recognizes him. And they ask, hey, aren't you one of, aren't you one of his guys? Aren't you one of his followers? And Peter has the chance to live up to the word. Hey, I would never deny him. I'll never deny you. But he fails. He blows it. He makes a mistake. And then when he's asked again, he denies him again. And when he's asked a third time, he denies him again. And in verse 61 of this chapter in Luke, it talks about after the third denial, how the rooster crows. And Jesus turns around and looks at Peter. And we don't know what that look must have meant. It doesn't tell us what that look meant. What it tells us is that Peter ran away and wept bitterly. But it wasn't a look of condemnation. What I like to believe, it was a look of, hey, just wait. Just wait till you see what I'm about to do for you. Wait till you see how I'm about to restore you. You're not going to be stuck here. Just wait. I'm about to do something big. As we know, even knowing the worst in us, even knowing the betrayal that Peter was going to do, even knowing that Peter was going to turn his back on him, even knowing that we may turn, his back, turn our backs on him, that we're going to make mistakes, 
He still chose us. And in moments after Peter's denial, after Peter's mistake, Jesus hung on the cross and died for the sins of us, for the sins of Peter. Peter was not destined to sit in failure. That was not his destiny. Peter was not destined to stay stuck in his mistake or trapped in failure and condemnation. Shame is a prison. Failure is a prison. Depression is a prison. Addiction is a prison. It is a prison that you were never meant to stay stuck in. He came to set the captives free. That's why he paid the price for you once and for all. Because he did not create you to stay stuck in that prison. In 1 Peter 1.18, and I love reading this in the message version. But it says, your life is a journey. You must travel with deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb, and this was no afterthought. This was no afterthought. And even though it has only lately at the end of ages become public knowledge, God always knew that he was going to do this for you. It's because of the sacrificed Messiah whom God then raised from the dead and glorified that you trust God and know that you have a future in God. Your destiny was not to stay stuck in this prison. God always knew he was going to do this for you. It was never plan B. It was never plan C. It was plan A. God didn't and God doesn't have a final straw for you. From the beginning, he had a plan. God chose you. He chose to forgive And forgiveness is a product of his grace. And no matter what you've done, that grace wipes away our wrongdoings. Hear this today, that Jesus once and forever paid the price for our sins. And his forgiveness is freely given, freely offered to you and I. No one is unforgivable. No one is forgotten. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's two types of people. Those that accept his forgiveness and those who don't. Peter's destiny was not to stay trapped there in the prison of sin, in the prison of shame. And on that shore that day over breakfast, Jesus was offering freedom to Peter. Just as he's offering freedom to you and I. The price had already been paid, but Peter had to receive it. When Jesus asked Peter in that intimate moment, do you love me? He was trying to bring Peter into the acceptance And verse 17 
says, when he asked him the third time, Peter was hurt. He was grieved. But asking him three times was not about shaming Peter. It was about reclaiming Peter in that moment. In that moment, it wasn't condemnation. It wasn't shaming him. It was reclaiming Peter. Reclaiming him in that moment. Peter had to face the failure and receive God's forgiveness. Receive his grace. Allow God to work in his life and restore him so that he could move on and do the great things that God had called him to do. You are fully forgiven and not forgotten. Will you let yourself off the hook today and receive his forgiveness and allow him to restore you? In Mark chapter 16, verse 7, the angel of the Lord says, is that he says to the women that had come to the tomb, come to the empty tomb. He, the angel of the Lord says, now go and tell the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you in Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Not just some of the disciples. He said, including Peter. Peter wasn't forgotten. Peter wasn't rejected. Because of what he had done. Peter wasn't forgotten. God always intended you to have life. Not a life where you're just barely getting by. Not a life where you're just barely surviving. He intended you to have a life. An abundant life. And living trapped in the prison of the shame and doubt and depression and failure. That is not living. And that is not the life that God designed you to live. Jesus was sent to rescue you and I. And if you want freedom, accept that you're a sinner and that he paid the penalty for you and I. The enemy wants you to believe that you're beyond forgiveness. He wants you to believe that lie. He wants you to believe that you're just unlovable and forgotten and unforgiven. But that's a lie. That's a lie. Peter was not forgotten. He was not beyond forgiveness. And you aren't either. Jesus paid the price, and in him you receive total forgiveness, not just partial forgiveness. God isn't just sitting up there picking and choosing who he's going to forgive and what he's going to forgive. When you accept his forgiveness, it's total forgiveness, complete forgiveness for your past mistakes, for your present mistakes, and for your future mistakes. God wants relationship with you. And he wants to remove anything that's hindering that. And he wants to replace the lies that the enemy wants you to believe with his truth, with God's truth. Freedom is freely offered to you today. Will you let yourself off the hook? And when you receive his forgiveness, when you accept his forgiveness, then he begins to restore you. 
you begin to experience his restorative power in your life. And when God restores, we turn out way better than we were before. I'm going to ask them to put up a picture on the screen. Um, So this year I decided I was going to flip a house. And my husband has done this before. Um, He'll sometimes do this on the side and then buy and sell land and things like that. But I decided I was going to do it. And after this year and doing that, I've decided I don't want to do that anymore. Not my thing. Um, So just not my thing. I don't have the time for it. It was a headache. I just don't want to do it. But how many of you know when you go to flip a house, it's usually an older house. And in those older houses, things are not in the right place. A lot of times they're a mess. A lot of times when you start gutting, as you can see, we were beginning the gutting process here, you discover more and more damage, more and more broken places, more and more things that need to be dealt with. Because if you don't deal with them, it ends up being a much larger problem, much larger problem. But when you begin to peel back those layers and you begin to restore, the condition is much better than it was before. Because when God restores, he restores in abundance. And if y'all will show the next picture, there it is. Everything's put back in the right place. (laughs) Much better than it was before. The broken places were addressed and they were restored. The damage was restored. When God restores, he restores in abundance. And this moment on the shore with Jesus is where Peter experienced his forgiveness and restoration. God longs to restore you because those wounds from your past, those wounds from what has been done to you or said about you, they were meant to be healed and restored. And when God heals and restores those and their scars are left, that scar is a testimony of his restorative power at work in your life. I would just imagine that day when Peter saw Jesus. When he saw Jesus, I'm sure there were a lot of thoughts going through his head. Is he even going to talk to me? Does he remember what I did? Is he, is he going to, are we going to talk about that? Is he going to address that? What's going to happen? I'm sure it felt like that was a, he felt pretty low in that moment. But when Jesus met him, he offered him restoration And in that moment on the shore, Jesus was taking the shame, taking the guilt, taking the pride, and he was restoring Peter. God is not harsh in our failures. And that day when Jesus is, you know, they've got a fire And then they're going to have breakfast. And then he says, hey, bring that fish over here. You know, come sit with me. Come sit with me at the table. There's a place for you here at the table, Peter. There's a place for you here at the table. He has made a place at the table for you. 
He wants connection. He wants relationship. And he wants to remove anything that's hindering that connection. So here again, they're around a fire. And remember the last fire Peter was at where he was warming himself? That was a fire that represented failure. But this fire that Jesus and Peter were sitting at, that was a fire that represented restoration. Jesus takes Peter back to the point, not so he can condemn him, not so he can shame him, but so he can demonstrate his grace and failure and show him, hey, this is where I was at in that moment, and this is what I want to do for you. Jesus wants to identify and take us back to the points of failure, not to condemn us, but to restore us, not to bring up the past, but to restore so that we can move on. Jesus is so kind and gentle in our failures. And the fire that had once reminded Peter of failure was now a fire of restoration. Here, Peter experiences the gentleness of Christ. There was um, a moment in my life where Jesus had to restore some things. And I mean, freedom's a journey. <laughs> There's always things he's working on. There's always things he's journey that he's doing and restoring. There's always something. But if you've heard part of my testimony, um, if you've come to our freedom conference, um, growing up, I grew up in church, um, loved church, served in church. Church was my place. That's where I wanted to be all the time. But as I got older um, and was involved at church and um, a couple of different churches, I experienced what we call spiritual abuse. And so leadership did some things that were not right. They were judgmental, um, spread lies, isolated me. And then on top of that, our senior leadership, there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that the congregation didn't know about. And the leadership had also hurt my family as well. And so when I got to college, I was done with church. Because church had not been that safe place for me that I once thought it was. Church had become a place of hurt and loss. And so while I would attend maybe once or once every couple of months, I wasn't connected I was just going through the motions. I had walls up. There was no way I was going to allow another church to hurt me. And what I was doing is I was giving myself a false sense of security, a false sense of security by thinking if I isolate and disconnect, I'm protecting myself. And so I rebelled against my calling, resented the church, and thought it was a place of hurt instead of a place of healing. But then there was pathway. And I can remember the very first night in a mill run clubhouse with Pastor Mark playing the bongos and a shaker. And <laughs> I can remember going, but I heard a message of grace. Something that I had not heard before. 
I thought I just couldn't live up to what God wanted me to be, that I would never be enough. But then there was grace. Grace freely offered to me. And one night I answered an altar call, and that altar call forever changed my life. And then I was rebaptized here at Pathway. And here I am thinking, never again am I going to get connected to church. And this is never again going to be a safe place for me. Here I am today, <laughs> working at a church, <laughs> serving here at church. And this place, this place has brought so much healing and restoration to me. And I am so grateful for what God is doing here at Pathway and what he has done in so many people's lives. Because church is my family. It's my place. It's my safe place place. And I'm so grateful that God took me back to that place and showed me the lies that I believed, but showed me where he was in those moments. And he restored me and he restored my soul. And I'm so grateful for that restoration. Because when God restores, he restores in abundance. And Job 42.10, remember what all Job went through? When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. When God restores, he restores in abundance. Isaiah 61, 7, it says, Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Now is the time to deal with what you've been holding on to. The wounds of your past no longer determine your future. They need to be dealt with so that you can be that so that you can move forward. Those mistakes, those failures do not define you. It's time to let yourself off the hook. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his grace. Let him restore you so that you can walk in the greatness that he has called you to. Because restoration is preparation for greatness. For greatness. When Jesus said to Peter, then feed my sheep, Jesus knew what was going through Peter's mind. He knew the lies he was believing. He knew the shame he was carrying. Because at the beginning of this chapter, remembered, Peter went back to the life he knew. He went back to fish. He was a fisherman before. He thought, well, I blew it, so I might as well go back to what feels comfortable, what I know to do. But Jesus wanted Peter to see his value was not determined by what he had done. He knew what Peter was going through and he needed change. And he knew that Peter thought he was done. He knew that Peter thought uh, it's over. But Jesus knew that Peter needed to receive his forgiveness and experience his restoration. The restoration of Peter was preparation for greatness. Restoring Peter was leading to the recommissioning of Peter. Jesus had something for Peter to do. 
He had called Peter to do great things. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, what does Peter get up there and talk about? He talks about the gospel, what Jesus had done, what he had come here to do. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Peter had great things to do. He was called to do those things. And in 1 Peter 5.10, it says, in his kindness, God called you to share his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you had suffered a little while, he will restore and support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Here Peter's talking about the restoration that he had experienced. He had suffered for a little while. He had made a mess of things, but then he experienced his forgiveness his grace, his love, his restoration. And then he was given everything he needed to do what he was called to do because he knew he could do those things because of who was on his side. I want you to hear this. This is actually um, something that I, God brought me back to this week. And it was something I'd written in my journal a couple of years ago. Really a couple of years ago when as a mom, I felt like I was drowning, trying to balance it all, feeling like every night when I went to bed, I'd failed. I just couldn't do it all. And God spoke this to me, and he reminded me of this this week. And it was God did not create failures he creates masterpieces. You were not a failure because God didn't define you as a failure. God redeems the failure, the broken places, the heartache and the pain. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God will give you all the things you need in whatever stage you may be in. Today, breathe in his goodness Allow him to meet you right where you are. Come sit at the table. Receive his forgiveness. Allow him to restore and walk in his greatness. The greatness that he has called you to. There's beauty in the darkest days. Moms, dads, grandmothers, friends. There's beauty in the darkest days. And even in our darkest days, he can show us his beauty. He is a God of second chances. It's time to let yourself off the hook and allow him to restore you. If everyone will stand... I just want you to receive that over yourself today. That you are a masterpiece. And he wants to work in your life and restore you and restore you in abundance.
And so right now, if you'll bow your heads. Today, if you need to take that step and receive his forgiveness, this is your day. This is your moment. This is the time to let yourself off the hook and receive the forgiveness that he is freely offering to you today. You were not unforgivable. You were not forgotten. Jesus paid the price for you once and for all. Will you receive his forgiveness? Will you receive his love and grace? So with every head bowed, if that is you today, you can just lift up your hand in this moment and we're going to pray a prayer together. So with every head bowed, just lift up your hand. And if you lifted up your hand today, I want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love for me. Wash me clean of the mistakes I've made. Restore those broken places in my life. Help me to see myself the way that you see me. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me, for paying the price for me so that I could have life. A life of freedom. Restore me. I choose today to walk with you. If our ministry team would come forward in this moment right now, and we have a team that wants to pray with you today. They want to celebrate with you today. If you chose to accept his forgiveness and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, they want to celebrate that with you today. And if you have any needs that you need someone to um, stand in the gap with you and pray with you in agreement about, I want to invite you to come forward. I'm going to go ahead and pray a prayer over you today and I'll dismiss you. And this team is ready to pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this day. I thank you, God, for this day together at Pathway. I thank you, God, for the broken places and lives that have been healed and restored today. God, bless this church as they go forward this week. In Jesus' name, amen.